Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Go to the oldtimeradiodvd.com forward slash sale and get 10% off of all of our great collections of old time radio, classic TV, classic movies, and serials at the lowest prices to be found anywhere. Visit oldtimeradiodvd.com forward slash sale and save. P.S. For all the Apple users, I have a few drives that I purchased for Apple users only at really reduced pricing. Check it out at oldtimeradiodvd.com forward slash sale. Welcome to the Old Time Radio Network thrillers. Thrilling mystery, espionage, and political intrigue? Step into the world of action and psychological twist. Join us as we go back to the early days of radio and our imaginations with our feature thriller presentation. science fiction's seminal works is The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells. Its premise is intriguing. What would it be like to be hidden from view? What would it be like to be invisible? At first there would be the advantage of watching others without being noticed. But what would you do when the novelty wore off and the invisibility didn't? Would you become a prisoner of your own freedom? Or perhaps a madman, bent on enslaving others? The novel was written in 1897, when the world believed that science could cure all ills. But as we will glean from the story of The Invisible Man, the achievements of the human mind are worthless without a human soul to guide them. Come with us now as Alien Voices explores the tragic life of a young scientist who seemed to be on the threshold of a brilliant future when something quite 
unexpected happened. Quiet down! Everyone, quiet down! Who's going to pay for my damages? Look at them! We'll get to that, Sutman. When? Why did he come to Art Town is what I want to know. That's exactly the question. It's a good question, Peter, and hopefully the inspector will be able to answer it. He was in my bedroom. I just know it. Wishful thinking, Alice. Dare you? And we know he's really gone. That's true. He could be here right now in this very room. Stay My morning news is missing, and I know that. All right, enough. That's quite enough. Enough. Inspector Addy is here to answer all your questions. Inspector, speak. Go ahead, Inspector. Thank you, Mayor. Well, as you all know, I've been on the case from the moment he arrived in Port Stowe, and the best that I've been able to piece together in these last few days is this. He was a very promising medical student, seemed destined for a brilliant future, but apparently, six months ago, around the time of his school graduation, things took a bit of a turn. Attention, please, oh, ladies and gentlemen, please. Attention, Professor. Thank you. <laughs> Settle down. The great arrogator is about to speak. Quiet, Tanner. Behave yourself. Thank you. Thank you. As the department chairman, I happily exercise the privilege of offering a toast to the class of 79. And, and as you prepare for commencement and your journey on life's adventure, may you always make our medical school proud. And may you make the 1880s the decade of discovery. So, I ask you now to raise your cups to the class of 79. The class of 79! <laughs> That ranks as the shortest lecture old Kemp has ever given. And mercifully the last. <laughs> Not counting graduation. <laughs> Two hours on hard benches? Don't remind oh, me. Well, speaking for myself, I intend to savor every moment of it. It may be a very long time before we're all together again. Unless we serve at the same hospital. Oh, perish the fuck. I will follow you to the ends of the earth, Rebecca, just to be together. Uh, uh, but by the way, where's Griffin? Wasn't he supposed to be here an hour ago? Yes, he was. He's a servant to science, our class Frank. God knows where he's meddling now. Nonsense. He anticipated he might be delayed. He asked me to entertain Rebecca until he arrived. Yes, that's quite true. You're so considerate, Hardy. And so entertaining. What are you doing? Stop it. Perhaps he's here after all. Perhaps he's spying on us now. Where? We don't even know it. I mean, who's to say? If I were to kiss you, Rebecca, he wouldn't rise out of nowhere and throttle me. Taylor, you're drunk. <laughs> Kissing drunk, I'll warrant. Mm. Taylor, you're incorrigible. <laughs> Not at all. I'm incorrigible. <laughs> but I apologize only for myself. The wine is beyond forgiveness. You are beyond forgiveness, but I love you anyway. Now, if you'll excuse me. Oh, 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 don't, 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 don
Rebecca. Rebecca. What, Harding? I don't want anyone to get the impression that you're here alone. Oh, but I am alone, despite your thoughtfulness. I am very much alone. Griffin assured me he would he would only be delayed an hour. Uh, Care for something? Just punch, thank you. Surely there's an explanation for his absence. There's always an explanation. I'm, I'm doing, doing research. research. Yes. You're quite right, but he is brilliant. Professor Kemp said. No, it's always Kemp, the arrogator. The grand arrogator. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds funny, doesn't it? But do you ever wonder if it's true? Who's to tell? All I know is I keep my research to myself, and so should Griffin. So should I what? Herbert. Oh, finally. I should have guessed. Where there's food, there's Harding. <laughs> Hello, Griffin. I come bearing profuse apologies and a flower for my love. Oh. Harding, you don't get one. Oh, oh Herbert, it's lovely. It's so delicate. Why, it's almost transparent. You noticed. Let me pin it on your dress. Where did you find such a thing? A doctor's supposed to be resourceful. And punctual. This is where I excuse myself. Harding, you're a dear. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm glad you could make it, Griffin. Enjoy yourself for a change. That I will. Tonight is a very special night. Rebecca, would you dance with me? What? Dance? You? Of course. It's a party, isn't it? Well, this is a first. Have you been drinking? Don't be so cynical. Now, <clears throat> remind me, though. Uh, how's it done? Right foot, left foot? <laughs> Never mind. I'll leave. <laughs> I knew you'd understand. Oh, ow. Watch the shoes. They're new. Not bad, eh? For a scientific recluse. Rebecca, I love you. Mm, that's nice, Robert. No, I mean it. Uh, this might not be the perfect place, but it is the perfect time yes. to talk about our future. <laughs> Would you watch Can out where you're going? Bates, <laughs> <laughs> do you believe it? Griffin's actually not dead. now, Taylor. Who would have thought? <laughs> Sorry about the kiss, Rebecca. <laughs> it was the wine. Taylor, please. What's he talking about? <laughs> never mind, Bates. Help us out. Don't you see we want to be alone? What kiss? Oh, never mind, Herbert. He's drunk. Bates. Oh, all right. Come on, Taylor. There must be somebody else at this gathering you haven't insulted yet. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? Herbert, Herbert. Let's go out to the park. It's much better. Now, what were you saying? Those fools. Oh, they're teasing you, darling. Don't be so upset. If he spent a little more time with his studies and less with the bottle... Herbert, Herbert, stop it. Let's not ruin the evening. You're right. You're right. I mustn't let my temper get the better of me. Certainly not tonight. I quite agree. I've had a breakthrough, Rebecca. What? You know that up until now, my greatest obstacle has been the physical nature of tissue. Oh, Herbert. No, no, just listen, just for a moment. And that the hospital wards are filled with people who've been injured in accidents, horribly disfigured, shunned by society. Could we please not discuss your research just this once? Rebecca, imagine what it would be like if you could look at those poor wretches without noticing the injury, without seeing the disfigurement. What a blessing. What are you talking about? I made a discovery last night that could render physical deformities invisible. How? In a way, I have Professor Kemp to thank. Kemp? If he hadn't distracted me, I would never have had a breakthrough. I didn't know he was helping you. Well, he, he paid me a visit late last night. And that's when it happened. Yes, yes, who is it? It's Dr. Kemp. Oh, yes, well, I'm, I, I'm coming. Just, just, just a moment. <laughs> 
I knew I'd find you burning the midnight oil. Oh, well, do come in. I'm, I'm just in the middle of a, of a procedure. As always. I, I'm afraid I don't keep a very tidy laboratory. Well, all right, as long as you keep orderly notes. Oh, that I do. In these journals. Good, good. Now, Griffin, I've come to discuss something that's been on my mind for a while. Yes? I'd say it's been a good year for you. Wouldn't you agree? Well, yes. And yet you've not completed your research. I know, Doctor. It's just that, well, I mean, everything's so complicated, so time-consuming, yet, yet I know I'm close. Yes, yes, I believe you. I believe you. Still, I'd hate to see your fine work come to an end just because it's time to graduate, time to leave. I quite agree. So, so, what would you say to staying and being my assistant for the long term? Now, how does that sound, my boy? Well, I'm... Uh, <laughs> of course, you'd have some teaching responsibilities, grading of papers, but, but the facilities of the medical school would be at your disposal, and your research would be uninterrupted. I don't know what to say. You would make a modest salary at first, but that would improve, and we'd have an opportunity to collaborate. Collaborate? Yes, yes. But uh, look, you don't have to give me your answer now. You just, you think about it. You'll be at the festivities tomorrow night, I trust. Uh, yes, yes, I will. Good, good, good. I'll see you then. Oh. Thank you, Dr. Kemp. Thank you so much. Now, mind you, I won't take no for an answer. Well, that was unexpected. Solves one problem while creating another. Damn. Oh, damn, how could I? So stupid. Ouch. Oh. A whole day's work ruined. I can't believe I would have let this happen. Damn! What? What happened? My experiment for the day was beyond repair. You see, at the precise moment when Kemp walked in, I was in the process of staining a microbial specimen. The procedure called for gently heating the mixture to set the stain. But when I returned, the solution was boiling. The microbes were dead, of course, and my day's work was destroyed. I, I was about to throw out the entire sample when... From an inspiration known only to Providence, I applied the tainted chemical solution to a batch of fresh microbes. To my utter amazement, as I watched under the microscope, they began to disappear. You mean they dissolved? No, no. They vanished. A at least, at first I thought they did. Y yet, I had an inkling there might still be something there, but, but I had no easy way to prove it, so I decided to experiment on something larger, something that I could see and touch. An earthworm. Oh, th th this is all too fantastic. And then a flower. The flower you get... Oh, Herbert, it's gone. It must have fallen off. Not at all. Give me your hand. <gasps> Can you feel the petal? Oh, oh yes. And it still has its fragrance. Oh, Herbert, this is remarkable. Yes. <laughs> remarkable indeed. Your friend Griffin has a marvelous opportunity. I hope he has the presence of mind to take advantage of it. Uh, uh, we, we were just discussing it, <laughs> Professor Kim. I'll see you in the morning in my office. Yes. And we'll discuss your appointment. This is a breakthrough day for you, Griffin. Congratulations. Thank you. Was he out here on the balcony all along? I have no idea. I didn't see him. What do you think he knows? I don't know. I don't know how he could. You're not seriously considering being his assistant, are you? Why not? Why not? 
You know what everybody says about him? The arrogator. The great arrogator. Oh, that's rubbish. Universities don't give tenure to plagiarists, much less thieves. Well, he's a hack. He latches onto his most talented students to further his own reputation. You don't know that, Rebecca. Oh, be careful is what I say. Just be careful. Oh, come, walk me home. I, I feel uncomfortable here. So you see, Rebecca, the possibilities are limitless. I've already made the first step, albeit the invisibility only lasts for a little while. But if I could unravel the whole of the mystery, just think of what it would mean. Of course, there are the medical applications, but just imagine what else. Invisible spies for ending war. Invisible police for catching criminals. In invisible policemen? I isn't that a little strange? What if your phenomenal discovery were to fall into the wrong hands? Oh, I wouldn't let it. I well, wouldn't let you it. You might not be able to stop it. Are you saying I shouldn't continue? No, of course not. But think of the implications, the responsibility. Yes, yes, yes. I know, I know, I know. Rebecca, I want you to be part of all this. I want our lives to go on together. Together? As husband and wife. Do you really, Herbert? What does that mean? <sighs> I've been thinking about us a great deal of late, and I don't know whether I'm ready to live a life alone. As it is, we only see each other once or twice a week, and that's mostly at my insistence. That's not quite fair. Oh, you're always working, which is wonderful, but in a way you are already married to your laboratory. Why would a wedding ring make it any different? We would work together. I, I expect to be a great scientist someday. And so you shall, darling. But there needs to be a place for both us and the work. Now, it's late. I must go in. Think about what I've said when you go to bed tonight. I'll think about it, but I won't be in bed. Y you won't? No, I have to go back to the laboratory and work through the night. I, I have to finish. Well, there you have well, it. I don't want to, but I must. Good night, Herbert. Good night. startled me. What are you doing in my laboratory? Well, <laughs> I thought if, 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 if we're going to be collaborating, it would be best if I were more up-to-date with your research. But that was a discussion for tomorrow. Why are you here now? Where is your Miss Goddard? What are you looking for? As your faculty advisor, I'm not looking for anything. I, I have the right to peruse your work. I, I have the obligation. What do you have in your hands? Give me those papers. See here. These are my notes. You're copying my notes. Don't use that tone of voice with me. Then it's true what they say about you. I, I, I can't believe it. I, I respected you. Griffin, you're jumping to conclusions. How long have you been doing this? It's obviously time for me to leave. Make way. You're a fraud. You steal from the students who trusted you. I am a tenured professor. And if you continue in this manner, my generous offer will be withdrawn. You're offered to collaborate? What a joke! I shall file charges against you. We'll see who files charges against whom, Mr. Griffin. I warn you, do not make an enemy of me. Get out! Get out of my laboratory! Empty your pockets and slink into the night! How dare you! Keep your hands off me! You've been coming here every night, haven't you? You've been copying my notes every night! Watch your temper! Get out! Unhand Get me! Out! Unhand me! Then stay out! 
Several days later, instead of attending graduation, Griffin confronted Kemp at a specially convened meeting of the university regents. This special departmental hearing is now called to order. I needn't inform you, Mr. Griffin, how unusual your charges are, especially against a man like Dr. Kemp. I am here to prevent other students from being victimized by this charlatan. Let's not forget where we are, young man. You shall have your say, and it shall be in an orderly fashion. Now, let's proceed. And I warn you, Griffin, there'll be no name-calling. There he was, going through my research and copying Always it. undisciplined, unable to accept guidance, unprofessional. I couldn't believe the rumors about its ethics. As his faculty advisor, I uncovered certain instances of, well... Malfeasance, Malfeasance complete fabrication, reimbursement vouchers, highly A man who has the student's trust. Not only duplicate accounts, but medical school equipment he sold for personal profit. Lies. And who knows what grotesque experiments we're preparing in the darkness of These are all fabrications to throw you off. I regret ever setting eyes on Herbert Griffin, a bad influence and a discredit to the medical school. Herbert Griffin, the Regents Committee, after careful deliberation, finds against you. You have brought disgrace upon the university by your private indiscretions and public charges. We are therefore compelled to dismiss you from the university without benefit of graduation. A mark has been placed against your name, and you shall never be licensed as a medical physician, now or in the future. What? What? Have you lost your minds? Can't you see the truth in front of your faces? Don't you see anything? We expel you! Disgrace! We expel you! Disgrace! We expel you! from me. Griffin, open up. What are you doing? Stay away, Harding. You have nothing to do with this. Have you lost your reason? You'll only make matters worse. What's going on? It's Griffin. Listen to him. He's, he's destroying the laboratory. Get Rebecca as fast as you can. They'll have his head for this. Oh, they already do. Don't make it worse for yourself, Griffin. Worse? I'm in complete disgrace. Everything I've worked for, it's all lost. I have no future. You're not in disgrace with your friends. We know you've done nothing wrong. You've stolen everything from me. My research, my good name. How can I live this down? I should kill myself. Griffin, now get a hold of yourself. Look, look, Rebecca's come. At least listen to her. Quickly, Rebecca, he's talking suicide. Get him to open the door. Oh, this is terrible. It's just what Kemp wants. Darling, it will all work itself out. Open the door. Open the door. Stay out of this, Rebecca. It's better that you have nothing to do with me. Don't say that. I love you. Now, come out before you make matters worse. This will all be resolved. I'm sure of it. I'm finished. My career is finished. 
That's not true. There's always an appeal. Surely the truth will come out. Now stop what you're doing and open the door. What is this? What's happening? What's going on here? All this commotion. It's nothing. What's happening in there? Open the door. Open the door, I say. Is that you, Kemp? Yes. Open up. Well, you're going to have to come up with your own ideas now, won't you? How dare you? All right, everyone. Stand back. What's the trouble? It's Griffin. The one who's been thrown out for lying and stealing. He's barricaded himself in the laboratory. He's destroying it. Just listen. We'll take care of that. Stand back. <coughs> lend, lend me your shoulder here, Professor. Right, here, now. <coughs> Once more. <coughs> Again. <coughs> Look at this. Look at this destruction. Outrageous. Herbert, where are you? Show yourself, Griffin. He's not here. Search for him. He's got to be somewhere. The room's obviously empty, Professor. Well, it can't be. Search the cabinets. He's crawled into one like a rat. I'm telling you, he's not here. Although it is strange. How could he just disappear? The man's an outlaw. This vandalism only proves that he should be hunted down. He should be in prison, not on the streets. Never. I say never will he be able to show his face. Herbert, where are you? Where are you, darling? I'm right next to you, Rebecca. I love you. Wait for me. Seven months later, toward the end of February, a stranger came to the village of Ipping. Witnesses say that he walked from the railway station through a biting wind and driving snow. He was wrapped from head to foot, and the brim of his felt hat hid every inch of his face, except the shiny pink tip of his nose. The snow had piled itself on his shoulders and added a white crest to the burden he already carried. He staggered into the coach and horses inn, seemingly more dead than alive. In the name of human charity, a room and a fire. Right. Here you go, sir. Oh, my. Look at you. Follow me right up the stairs. We have a lovely room overlooking the garden. Although there's not much to see in this weather, what with the snow and everything. But we'll have you warm as soon as the fire gets going. And I promise I'll lay out a good meal for you whenever you like. Now, come over here by the fireplace, sir. Let me have your hat and your coat. And don't forget your muffler. I'll give them a good dry in the kitchen. No. I... I prefer to keep them on. Really? You'll catch your death of cold in those wet clothes. Surely you want to take them off. No, thank you. Oh, all right then. Would you care for supper now? Yes. Yes, immediately. All right. I'll set your vittles on the table over here. Be back in a jiffy. Aside from the wet clothes, Mrs. Hall noticed that the stranger wore big blue spectacles with side flaps and had a high coat collar that completely hid his cheeks and face. When she returned with the food, the stranger was still standing in the middle of the room, like a man of stone, his back hunched, hiding his face and ears completely. <clears throat> Here's your supper, then. Oh, thank you. Now, now if you don't mind... Oh, well, yes, what? Hmm. If you don't need me, then. I don't. Thank you. No sooner had Mrs. Hall returned to the kitchen than she remembered she had forgotten the condiments. Mm -hmm. 
high degree when I'm drinking, always thinking how to... Well, strike me if I didn't forget to bring you. <gasps> Don't you knock before entering a private room. I'm sorry, sir. I'm dreadfully sorry. I... I... For a moment, Mrs. Hall was too startled to speak. The stranger was seated at the table, his meal before him. He held the napkin over the lower part of his face so that his mouth and chin were completely hidden. But it was not that which astonished Mrs. Hall. It was the fact that all his forehead above his blue goggles was wrapped in a white bandage and that another bandage covered his ears, leaving not a scrap of his face exposed except his shiny pink nose. Well? I... I... Yes, spit it out! I... I brought the mustard. Just leave it. Do you still want to keep your coat? No, go ahead and take it. But leave the hat. I didn't know that you... I mean... I'm sorry, sir. You can go now. Yes, of course. I just... Thank you! Oh, Teddy. Huh? The poor soul's had an accident or an operation or something. Oh. You should see him. His whole head is completely bandaged. Oh. Why, the only thing you can clearly see is the tip of his nose. Oh, now, wife, leave the poor man alone. It's bad enough him being out in this blizzard. No use you giving him a hard time over his looks. Wait till you see them bandages. Well, that's the difference. I don't intend to. And the goggles. Huh? Why, he looked more like a diving helmet than a human man. Oh. And holding that handkerchief over his mouth all the time, talking through it. Oh, perhaps his mouth was hurt. I never thought of that. Oh, it's too horrible. If you pay more attention to running this establishment, unless your imagination... All I can say is, if I satisfy one, I'll satisfy the other. Oh, dear. Later, when Mrs. Hall went in to clear away the stranger's supper... She found him sitting in the darkest corner of the room, smoking a pipe. Mrs. Hall, I... I had to leave my luggage at the railway station. Would you be so kind as to arrange to have it fetched here tonight? Oh, I'm afraid not, sir. In this storm? Oh, no, never. The coachman had an accident a year ago, and he never ventures out after dark. It was terrible. Had to have an operation, he did, to put him right. Yes, an operation. Quite a bad operation. And no laughing matter for those of us who had to change his bandages. I don't have to tell you, but bandages can come undone. Uh, hand so... me those matches. My, my pipe has gone out. Oh, yes, sir. Here you are, sir. As I was saying... Hey, if band... you don't mind, I'd like to be alone right now. Oh, yes, of course. I quite understand. Oh, I nearly forgot. If you happen to feel lonely, which we all do sometimes, we congregate every evening down in the parlor with a little nightcap. Thank you. Now, please, I would like to enjoy my room alone. Of course, Mr... Good night. Oh. I say, Teddy. What's that, Millie? I wonder if you'd do me a wee favor. I will if there's a pint on the other end. A pint? And here you are, my husband. Well, that's why I need the pint. Oh, Teddy... <laughs> I was just in the gentleman's room, mm. and I was wondering if you would give the old clock a bit of a look. Huh? No matter what time it chimes, the hand is always stuck at six. In the gentleman's room, you say? Yes. You sure about this? Oh, Teddy, be a love. Mm. Mm. There's more where that came from. All right, I'll have a look then, but I still want my pint. Oh, Teddy. Mm.
Since there was no answer, Teddy let himself in. He could see the visitor dozing in the armchair before the fire, his bandaged head drooping to one side. For a moment, it seemed to Teddy that the man had an enormous mouth, a vast and incredible mouth that swallowed the whole of his jaw. But how could that be? As the stranger woke, he quickly covered the lower part of his face with the blanket. Excuse me, sir. I didn't mean to wake you. I'm Mr. Hall, uh, Teddy, if you will. I've just come to look at the clock. Uh, yes. Oh. I understood from your wife that this room was to be mine for my own private use. Well, I thought, sir, you'd prefer that the clock be fixed. Yes, but... yes, yes. But as a rule, I must be left alone and undisturbed. Oh. If the clock is to be seen, too, so be it. Well, thank you, sir. I'll just have a look. <clears throat> when you're finished, I would like to have some tea. Oh, yes, sir. I'll tell the missus. <laughs> and, uh... Is it true that tomorrow morning is the earliest that I can get my luggage? Oh, I'm afraid so, sir. See, what with the storm and all. Then perhaps oh. I should explain what I was too cold and fatigued to explain earlier. Oh. Would you ask your wife to come in here, seeing how she would very likely contrive an excuse to do it anyway? What? I'll, I'll get her. Uh, uh, look here, Millie! A gentleman's asked for you to come up. Step lively, oh, then. I'm coming! I'm coming! She's coming. Oh, yes, sir. What can I do for you? I have a few things to say. First, you should know that I'm an experimental investigator. Indeed, sir. And that my luggage contains scientific apparatus and appliances. Needless to say, I'm very anxious to get on with my inquiries. Of course, sir. I had an accident not long ago. I thought as much. Stay still, Millie. Let the man talk. And my reason for coming to this inn is solitude. Of course, my eyes are sometimes so weak and so painful that I, I must shut myself in the dark for hours. The slightest disturbance, anyone entering the room, is unacceptable. Certainly. So then, if my stay here is to be successful, it must be undisturbed. Now, uh, if I may be so bold... Yes, I... yes, yes. Two months' rent. Oh. In advance. Two months? <laughs> in advance? My, my. That'll be all. But exactly what kind of accident? Uh, Millie, my wife and I understand you'll be undisturbed. Come on, Millie, come on. Aren't you forgetting something? What's that? The clock. Oh, oh, all right you are, sir. As, uh, just, there we go. <laughs> Let's hope that does it. <laughs> good night. Good night. Oh, uh -huh. good night. Good night. Good night, yes. good night Millie. Good night. Come on, Millie, come on. And so it was that on the 29th day of February, this singular person came out of a storm and into the lives of these simple people. The next day, his luggage arrived at the inn, and you can well imagine he was there to meet it. Mr. Fearnside's cart was announced by Mr. Fearnside's dog, which as soon as it caught sight of the stranger, leapt at the man's leg, tearing his trousers. The stranger rushed back into the inn, unhurt but shaken. The crates were carried upstairs into the stranger's room. It's been established that the moment the men left, he attacked the boxes with a crowbar and extracted the contents, which had been packed in straw. There were little fat bottles containing powders, 
Small and slender bottles containing colored and white fluids. Fluted bottles labeled poison. Bottles with round bodies and slender necks. Large green glass bottles. Large white glass bottles. Bottles with stoppers and frosted bottles. Bottles with fine corks. Bottles with wooden caps. Wine bottles. Salad oil bottles. Uh, uh, yes, well, he arranged the bottles neatly about his room and then scattered the straw on the floor. When Mrs. Hall took him his supper that evening, the stranger was already so absorbed in his work that he didn't hear her knocking, and it wasn't until she had swept the straw away from the door and put the large tray on the table that... Ah! I wish you wouldn't come in here without knocking. I did knock. You didn't? Yes, I did. Twice. Well, well, perhaps you did. But in my work, the slightest disturbance, even the jarring of the door, I... I must ask you, please. Certainly, sir. You can turn the lock if you like. A very good idea. But before you do, I just wanted to know about the straw you have all over my floor. If the straw disturbs you, put it on the bill. In which case, I should like to know how much would be reasonable. Whatever you want, just leave me alone. Well, very well, but I just want Leave to... me alone! For the next two days, the stranger kept his door locked and worked around the clock. There is no question in my mind that he was at this stage already desperate. I can't go on. I can't go on. Three hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand. The multitude. Teddy, come listen to this. Jesus, all my life it's going to take me. I will never come back to never be seen again. What have I done? What have I done? How long has this been going on? Better part of the morning. What am I to do? What am I to do? Are you all right in there? Leave me alone. Do you want us to call the doctor? Go away. Leave me alone. These outbursts would come and go regardless of the time of day. They would last for a few minutes or a few hours with no explanation. There were also a few altercations with Mrs. Hall on matters of hygiene. But in every case, the stranger's will prevailed until the middle of April, when he began to show signs of penury. Initially, he was able to distract Mrs. Hall by the easy promise of an extra payment. But when none was forthcoming, she became as short-tempered as her lodger. Then a curious thing happened. The stranger began to venture from the inn, never in daylight hours, always bundled up regardless of the weather and always choosing the loneliest path. Needless to say, the town folk found his movements rather unsettling. Of course, it was inevitable that such an individual should become a frequent topic of conversation in such a small village. However, Mrs. Hall was uncharacteristically discreet. When questioned by her neighbors, she explained that her guest was... An experimental investigator. The poor man had an accident which temporarily discolored his face and his hands. He's mysterious, but he minds his own business, which is more than I can say for many others in this town. Whatever else they thought of the stranger, my investigations tell me that the people in the village all agreed on one thing. They disliked him, 
and kept their distance. Except a certain Dr. Cuss, the local physician, who was devoured by curiosity. When he could stand it no longer, Cuss came to the inn unannounced, went straight up the stairs, and rapped on the stranger's door. What is it now? Uh, pardon my intrusion, friend. Uh, I, I, I couldn't help, but... Um, Who are you? My name is Dr. Cuss, and I'm... Well, I'm, yes, I'm a doctor, and I... Uh, I was wondering if you might like to make a modest contribution to, um... A doctor, are you? All right, come in. Come in if you must. Doctor. Oh. Thank you. Uh, you see, the Nurses Fund is such a worthy cause that if there were ever an opportunity to be involved in such a... Um... <laughs> if Cuss had been a cat, he would have been dead. As it was... He paid for his curiosity with only a few years of his life. Saints preserve us. Show me the door. The door. <laughs> Stand aside. Let me out. Let me out. <laughs> Dr. Cuss bolted from the room, down the stairs, startling Mrs. Hall, out of the inn and straight to the Episcopal Church. In God's name, I must speak with you. Dr. Cuss, in God's name you shall. Tell me first. Am I mad? What? No, 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 no. Please. Do I look insane? Well, not at all. Now, what's happened? It's the chap at the inn. Oh, the experimenter. Of course, the experimenter. Who else? Well? I visited the stranger this afternoon on the pretext of obtaining a subscription for the nurses fund oh you did did you yes the moment i entered i tried to shake hands with him but he stuck his hands into his pockets <laughs> i told him i'd heard he took an interest in scientific things he said yes and he sniffled he kept on sniffling he apparently caught a cold i mean no wonder he wrapped up like that but i kept my eyes open charting his room and bottles chemicals everywhere and the smell of evening primrose would he contribute said he'd consider it so i asked him point blank was he engaged in research he said he was a long research a damnable long research he said got quite cross just then a wind came through the window and blew a piece of paper from his desk into the fire and he rushed over to fetch it out came his arm oh, pass me the sherry oh, it's uh, not really sherry no, no never mind well, I'll drink it anyway <clears throat> well there was no arm no hand just an empty sleeve and lord I thought what a deformity got a cork arm I suppose and he's taken it off and then I thought there's something odd here. What the devil keeps that sleeve open if there's nothing in it? Well, uh, perhaps you were mistaken. I mean, perhaps it was an illusion. An illusion, my eye. Well, uh, it was empty, I tell you. There was the faint light shining through a hole in his sleeve so that I could see right down to the elbow. Good God, I said. He then stared at me with those, those blue goggles of his, and then down at his sleeve. And? He never said a word. 
He just glared and put his sleeve right back in his pocket. He acted as though nothing had happened. Of course, I'd noticed, you know. How the devil can you move an empty sleeve like that? I said. Empty sleeve? Yes, an empty sleeve. And then very deliberately, he pulled his sleeve out of his pocket, raised it in front of me until it was six inches from my face. And then, yes, something pinched my nose. Stop it! It's all very well for you to laugh, but I tell you, something pinched my nose. And there wasn't anything there. I was so startled. I slapped his cuff away and I fled the room for dear life. Please, stop laughing. I'm asking you again, Reverend Punting. Am I insane? Or what? What? Having dispensed with Dr. Cuss, the stranger descended the stairs to the pub. Mrs. Hall had in the meantime, on account of all the commotion, sent for Constable Jaffers, who arrived within minutes. Mrs. Hall. Is it your bill you're wanting, sir? Why wasn't my meal brought up? And why haven't you been answering my bells? Do you think I live without eating? Why isn't my bill paid? That's what I want to know. I told you three days ago I was waiting a remittance. And I told you two days ago I wasn't going to wait no remittances. If I have to go without money, you can go without food. Look here, good woman. Don't good woman me. Teddy! Teddy, come in here! I have told you that my funds haven't arrived yet. Funds, indeed. Nevertheless, in my pocket. Pocket? You told me two days ago that you didn't have a cent in your pocket. Well, I found some. I wonder where... What do you mean by that? I wonder where you found it. So convenient-like. What? What's the problem, Millie? How dare you! Before I make any more meals or do any such things, you've got to tell me one or two things I don't understand, and what nobody don't understand, and what everybody is very anxious to understand. What is that? I want to know what you've been doing to my chair. What? And why are the drapes always pulled? And what did you do to Dr. Cuss that scared him so? And mind you, no funny business, because the policeman's just arrived. Stop! You don't understand who I am or what I am. You leap to conclusions that only celebrate your ignorance. Well, do you want to know? Do you? Then I'll show you. By heaven, I'll show you who I am. The stranger put his gloved hand to his face, gripped his nose, and then withdrew it with a flourish. What had once been a nose was now nothing but a black cavity. He stepped forward and grabbed Mrs. Hall's hand. Here. <gasps> she pulled her hand back. The nose, the stranger's nose, pink and metallic, fell from her palm onto the floor. Then the stranger turned to the patrons in the bar and removed his goggles. Next, he took off his hat and with a violent gesture, tore at his bandages. For a moment, the wrapping wouldn't yield. Then off they came. It was worse than anyone could imagine. They were prepared for scars, disfigurements, mutations, but nothing. The stranger was a solid, visible figure from the floor up to his collar, shoes, pants, overcoat, then nothing, nothing, no head at all. See here, mister. Enough of your parlor tricks. As an officer of the law, I'm going to have to arrest you. 
Head or no head? What the devil for? What are the charges? If you don't have no head, you don't need no charges, officer. That's enough, Mrs. Hall. Do your duty. Stay out of this, Millie. Are you coming peaceably, sir? Stay away from me. Grab him! Oh, 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 get his hands! Somebody get your arms around him! Somebody get his feet! All right! All right! All right! I surrender. Good gracious, where are your wrists? I say, how can I use my handcuffs if you don't have any hands? Why, they're right here. And see what they're doing. Look. He's unbuttoning his coat. And he's taking off his clothes. All but his shoes. Somebody stop him. Be there's nothing underneath. Just empty clothes. Oh, he's invisible. Don't give us any more trouble, Mr. Uh, where are you? Ouch. Keep your fingers out of my face. Just because I'm invisible is no reason I should be poked to pieces by every stupid bumpkin in town. Why, in all my years, I... You know, it's strange, uh, isn't it, I admit, but it's not a crime. So why am I being assaulted? You may be a bit difficult to see in this light, but I got a suspicion of a more serious nature, and it ain't no invisibility. It's burglary. There's a few shops been broken into and money took. Well? And circumstances point to you, wherever you are. Nonsense. I hope so, sir, for your sake. But I've got my duty. All right, all right, but no handcuffs. It's the regular thing. No handcuffs. I insist. Oh, no, you don't. Have a look at this. Now he's taken off his shoes. No, there, stop that. Keep those shoes on and stay in one place. Stop him. No, he punched me. Teddy, are you hurt? Oh, I think so. Don't let him loose. Don't let him loose now. I've got something. Here he is. Close the door. The window's open. Quick, he's climbing out. Don't let him get out. Get him. There's nothing here. Now we're too late. He's gone. He must have jumped out. Oh, the door. He tricked us. He went out the front door. Now what do we do now? I can't believe it. He got away. He got away. The invisible man's got away. While all this commotion was going on at the inn, a mile and a half out of town, a certain Mr. Thomas Marvel was quietly sitting by the roadside with his feet in a ditch. He wore an elegant high hat, which looked out of place with his tattered clothes. He was contemplating two pair of boots resting beside him. One was the soundest pair of boots he had come across in a very long time, but they were too large, whereas the pair he already had were a good fit, but too thin-soled. Where now, Boots? Which pair of you is going to walk with me from now on? It's a difficult choice, it is. But, um, <laughs> oh, they're a collection of boots. Yes, they are hand-me-down boots. Oh, your feet won't care. They'll be inside. I've been begging for boots for weeks now. I had to listen to a two-hour temperance lecture again. <laughs> Drove me to drink it, did Folks just ain't very charitable these days. A beast of a country and pigs for people. Ain't it the truth? 
What's your name, good fellow? Name is Marvel. Frankie Marvel. And you, my... Say, where are you? <laughs> I'm over here, Marvel. I swore her voice. Oh, you did. Where are you then? Listen to me. <laughs> if I'm not a drunken dang. What an ironic name you have, Marvel. When it is I who am the Marvel, wouldn't you say? Am I talking to myself again, huh? Don't be alarmed. Be astonished. Be impressed. You're a ventriloquist, you are. Now let me see you. Let me get my mark on you. Over here, Marvel. Look over here. Where? Show yourself now. It's <laughs> a drink. I might have known I've finally gone round the bend. Oh, my God. Ow! Help! Help! Shut up. Shut up. Or I'll slap you again. Ow! Help! Ow! See? I'm not your imagination. Well, why don't you show yourself? Then? That is precisely my problem. I'm invisible. Anyone can see that. Now, come on. Where are you hid? Right in front of you. You're looking clear through me. You see? Invisible. I'm on an open road, not invisible for miles except the bosom of nature, and then comes Quiet. a voice from heaven. Quiet. Quiet! Calm yourself. Mm -hmm. I've chosen you. Do you understand? Mm. You have been chosen. And for the first time in your miserable no. life, you have a reason for living. I, I do? You. You will be my helper. And I will do great things for you. An invisible man is a man of power. But if you betray me... Ow! If you fail me... Ow! I'll make your life a living hell. <coughs> Stop. Stop it, please. I, I, I don't want to betray you, Mr. The don't you go to thinking that, whatever you do. Now, all I want to do is help you. Just, just tell me what I got to do. Whatever you want done, I'll do it. Well, <laughs> I knew you'd see it my way. Now, put on your boots. I don't care which pair. And come along. <laughs> The village was so preoccupied with the discovery of the invisible man that no one bothered to notice Frankie Marvel standing in the garden outside the coach and horses inn. He was positioned directly below what had until two hours ago been the stranger's room. I'll just hold on to his belongings till he settles his bill. Fair's fair, isn't it, Dr. Cross? Yes, certainly. Have a look at this book, Reverend. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. It seems to be some sort of a diary. More like a journal. No name on the flyleaf. Just ciphers and figures. No diagrams. No illustrations either. If you find any money, I have first call. Fair is fair, I always say. I don't run a charity. I'll be in the kitchen. These scribblings are Greek. How is your Greek, Reverend? Uh, well, I'll try. Uh, now, where, where did I put my glasses? I... Good heavens, what's wrong? Help me! Bunting, Bunting, what is it? Don't move, or I'll brain you both. It's him! He's choking me! I hate people prying into my private journals. Now sit down, both of you. Where are my clothes? How should God we know? help us, he, the devil's... Uh, 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 stay away from that door and listen to me. 
I'm a fairly strong man besides being invisible, and I have an iron poker handy, and there is not the slightest doubt that I could kill you both and get away with it easily if I wanted to. Do you understand? I said, do you understand? Yes, yes, yes. So you're not going to try any nonsense? No. Good, good. Now listen to me. When I came into this room, I expected to find my journals and my clothes. Where are they? They're here on the table. I can see my journals, you idiot. Where are my clothes? Well, Mrs. Oh, never mind, never mind. Hand me the tablecloth. While all this was going on upstairs, Teddy Hall had become aware of Mr. Marvel loitering suspiciously in the garden. He then saw a parcel wrapped in a white tablecloth tumbling down through the air into the man's outstretched arms. Teddy was sure he had just witnessed petty larceny. Stop! Thief! Stop him before he gets away! Teddy was out of the inn in a flash and had hardly begun to give chase when something kicked his legs out from under him. And then the ground rushed up to his face. Oh! Darn! The invisible man continued to aid in the escape of his confederate by breaking all the windows in the inn. Then he proceeded down the street and threw a rubbish container through Mrs. Gribble's parlor window. And it must have been he who cut the telegraph wire. Although that's never been proven. The villagers were terrified. <laughs> Catch me if you can! Catch me if you can! <laughs> After that, the invisible man vanished. Absolutely. Absolutely.